Hello, wonderful beings. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shock Talk, Mike and I unpack the topic of emotional intelligence. We start by defining what it is and why it's important. We talk about models of emotional intelligence, the value of self-awareness, critical feeling, the effects of social media, and we finish by talking about expanding emotional vocabulary in order to improve recognition of our emotions. This topic is definitely something I've been looking into for a while, and I really enjoyed airing it out in the conversation with Mike. This episode of the show is brought to you by TFC's global health community called Beam Tribe. We feel that the pursuit of health is a team sport, and our mission with Beam Tribe was to create a platform that connects like-minded humans from around the world who value making daily progress on their health journey. The platform is loaded with videos created by our Beam team, where we share our experience when it comes to things like overcoming injuries, creating a daily meditation practice, resolving back pain, or even things like how to restore an arch if you have flat feet, or if you've been told you have flat feet. Head to beamtribe.com and you can see samples of videos that we posted. And if you want full access and to engage with the community, you can join. This episode of the show is also brought to you by our family of partner brands listed at thefootcollective.com who've offered discounts or free gifts to our community and also support TFC by helping to fund the development and hosting of TFC app. We've developed relationships over time with brands doing awesome work and who align with TFC on the mission to create products that are good for your health and good for the planet. If you go to thefootcollective.com and click on the Partners Brands tab, Partner Brands tab, rather, uh, you'll see a list of brands that offer you discounts. And by purchasing using those links or codes, it helps us keep TFC app free and evolving without ever having to load it with ads. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful humans. Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today we're going to unpack the topic of emotional intelligence. We talk a lot about intelligence as in IQ, uh, but we don't seem to talk as much about in emotional intelligence or, uh, or EQ as it's known. Um, so, you know, in today's climate of craziness, I think we can all benefit from a better understanding of our emotions and um, what goes into regulating them so that we can all be mentally and physically healthy. So I don't know about you, but I think it's a very relevant topic. We chatted about this a couple of weeks ago, but I think, um, as the social media climate starts to get more and more crazy, I think the need for this topic is, is pretty huge. So. Yeah. I think it's emotional intelligence is more important than ever, uh, these days because the emotional environment and the amount of, uh, emotional information that we're getting and, and the, all the kind of limbic and emotional hijacking that's occurring yeah. from all the stimulus is, is just, is just trickier than ever to navigate. Um, if we were living in a time that was more simple, uh, the emotional information would be more um, direct and it mm -hmm. would be easier to sift through what the emotions were telling us. But now it's just a, a lot more difficult. So that makes it uh, a tricky time, but it, all the better to to look into it more. Yeah, big opportunity. And like you said, if we're constantly, if there's no space in between uh, bouts of emotion to actually process and analyze those emotions, you're essentially on a Ferris wheel that has no off button. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, we'll dig into that when we talk about social media and when we dig in all this stuff. But yeah, very timely, very important. And maybe a good place to start is what, you know, if, if people haven't heard of emotional intelligence, because this is, this only came on my radar. Like I had heard the term, but I remember you um, recommended the book Emotional Intelligence by Dan Goleman, uh, like, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. And that's a powerful book. Yeah. Um, so that's when it came on my radar. You know, this was never something... 
uh, told to like, literally we go through physio training where we're going to be dealing with people for the rest of our lives. And emotional context is always a big element in interpersonal interactions. We don't even talk about this. It's one of the biggest things to be, to being any sort of healthcare practitioner or somebody who works with people. But it's also one of the biggest things just to be, to be a well-functioning human interacting with anybody in relationships or in the workplace or in, in whatever. So, and, and like all the way from childhood, all the way through, uh, but especially healthcare, because we're dealing with so much of this emotional layer that we don't get trained in at all. Uh, it's almost like this forgotten about world that um, we have. Uh, some people just happen to be good at it. Some people don't happen to be good at it, but we don't really look into into it at all. So nobody really uh, no, nobody really gives it any onus or attention. So, well, I think that's a big gap too in medical training. It's like, you know, you look at medicine, first of all, small minor rant, medicine claims to be science-based, but it is not actually science-based. And the science, the based on science mindset says feelings and love, and this is not important. It's unscientific. Actually, it is. There's a shitload of science showing that emotional intelligence is a thing breaking down into models. And that is very important. If you can't connect with someone emotionally, you cannot build a, 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 a really good relationship, which is required in order to help someone change their lives, which is what health professionals should be doing. So, Yes. It's a big hole. If we define emotional intelligence. So let's just talk about emotions and emotional intelligence first, because I, just like a lot of people who may be listening, thought the term meant like, oh yeah, like I didn't really know what it meant. I was like, emotional intelligence, you're good with emotions. Like, I don't know. Um, That's, (laughs) that's about where it ends. Uh, It kind of makes sense. Like maybe you're empathetic with people or you're good with people. Um, But it's essentially the ability to monitor one's own and other people's emotions discriminate between different emotions and label them appropriately and use emotional information to guide behavior and thinking. Um, so it's, it's all of this plus more, it's decoding, understanding, being guided by using emotional information in an effective manner. And also, um, just not getting to, uh, not getting affected negatively, uh, by, by emotional information as well, which a lot of us are in too. So that's kind of, it's just like using, um, being good in the emotional realm or the emotional world. Right. Uh, and that's what emotional intelligence is. And then we'll get, like you say, into like a couple of the models that break down like some of the five, four or five components, depending on what model we look at um, of it. But yeah, that's kind of where we would start. And then I just might note that emotions, like what are emotions even? They're, they're, this is where it gets complex, um, but without getting too deep into the science of them, because the science is fairly fresh. There's a good book called How Emotions Are Made. Mm-hmm. I just can't recall the the author, but they go into like the neuroscience behind it. And everyone's trying to, uh, in the book, the st- all the studies are trying to break down kind of what exactly it is from a neuroscience perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's states of feeling that result in physical and physiological changes that influence our behavior. Uh, these biological states are associated with the nervous system and they they have to happen to motivate adaptive behaviors and help guide us. And it's basically this r- limbic realm. Limbic system is part of our brain that's kind of less evolved than the, the prefrontal cortex, frontal cortex part. So a lot of mammals will have these developed limbic systems, us included, and they give us information in, in, in terms of like uh, motivating actions and with social interactions as, as well. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's just this information that we're getting from one part of the brain that we, uh, tend to kind of forget about and we tend to put more attention and we tend to almost like put emotional information in the back seat and say like, oh, it's, you know, that's not as important. It's more about the, the prefrontal cortex and the frontal lobe and mm-hmm. all this thinking and critical thinking that we have to, we, we tend to really put on a pedestal almost. 
Yeah, so. which I think is important. But if you forget about the emotional intelligence side, you miss out on a massive part of the equation mm. that's needed to be a well-functioning, healthy human being. And to me, you know, like when I sort of went back and reviewed all the notes I had, emotional intelligence at, at its simplest was being able to discern different feelings, label them appropriately. So be able to say to yourself, I am feeling this. And then be able to use, you know, understand what that emotion means and use it constructively to behave in a way that um, allows for good relationships. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think a lot of times people just don't have an understanding of the different feelings that are possible. And we'll talk about expanding emotional vocabulary at the end. So they can't recognize them if they don't even know what they are. Right. The yeah. awareness is it's just, just low. Emotions. Right. And, and uh, you know, it, high emotional intelligence is associated with better mental health. Uh, it's very important for leadership skills. So if you lead a group of people on a mission or in a company, uh, emotional intelligence is actually significantly more important than uh, IQ when it comes to leading people because exactly. it's more about working with people than about understanding things. That's where you, you can picture the person in the lab, uh, deep in a lab, uh, who might be incredibly smart on it in terms of IQ, but who can't interact with somebody, right? Yeah. Or who, who re literally can't hold relationships because they can't really... So that's the difference there yep. versus a team leader. So that's totally super important. What about, con so like, I think social intelligence um, is something that people talk about as well. Like that term will come up and I, I kind of like looked into it. I was like, well, how social intelligence is, is that the same as emotional intelligence? But what I realized is like social intelligence is the capacity to know yourself and to know others which, you know, develops from social experience. So I think emotional intelligence is a sharper term, more related to the individual. Yeah. We'll talk about some models, but I think social intelligence is a more macro term, which goes beyond the individual. And so I think, I think it starts with the way, the way I felt after trying to understand those two terms was that emotional intelligence is almost a precursor to social intelligence because it's the yeah. application of your emotional intelligence that permits a high level of social intelligence. Exactly. And they're kind of interlinked uh, together because mm -hmm. like emotional intelligence is critical for relationships with others. Um, just one other note on like components of emotion, because you just mentioned like a lot of people don't have a good um, feel for their like they, they don't they can't label them. They don't know right. um, what their emotions are like this. This whole world is is very tough to navigate. But uh, some components of emotion, there's one model uh, that that went over. It's called the component process model. But uh, emotions uh, include like bodily symptoms. So, so like part of it is just physiological component of it. Like you feel like your heart might start racing. Mm -hmm. um, you'll feel tingly. You feel like you feel actual stuff in your body. Butterflies. Butterflies, like all of these things. That's, that's part of the emotional language that your body's feeling. And if you disregard that, the feeling of getting yeah, nervous, anxious, all of these things, mm -hmm. very, very, um, bodily, right? And uh, action tendencies are a part of it too. So motivational component uh, for the preparation of action and be and behaving in a certain way. So that's like highly linked to what emotions are. Uh, facial and vocal expressions are another part of it. So if you're in, in a, if you're interacting with somebody, you have to be um, emotions like you can get a lot out of like just their expression, their tone of voice there. And that's again, um, we'll talk about social media, why we don't get that. And that's right. huge. But they can be saying one thing and you might their emotions might be telling you the complete opposite thing. So right. that's where it gets tricky. It's like, well, they said that, but it's like, oh, but they their emotions said otherwise. Right. Um, and that's part of emotional intelligence feeling. So there's always a kind of a subjective feeling that 
is a company with emotions. They make you feel a certain way and feeling is highly linked with emotion. And finally, like cognitive appraisal, they provide like an evaluation of uh, events and objects. So hmm. just components of the emotions. Yeah, and I, that's a great, like when we separate mind and body, it's an abstraction to help us understand them better in isolation. But I think, you know, the reality is that they are inseparable in reality. And so when you mentally think of an emotion or have a feeling, you're going to get a physical, um, I was going to say artifact, but I think it's equally, it's not even an artifact. It's equally important. You're going to get a physical component to mm -hmm. the mental thought process or the mental feeling. And I think a lot of people have disconnected from, the, you know, the physical element is actually a hint as it gives you a piece of data a hint towards the potential emotional state that you're in. And we've yeah. learned to kind of ignore those or brush them off, but it's a very important piece of information that we need to reconnect with because that can help us improve our emotional understanding. Yeah, exactly. That it's just connecting with your body and that's where everything is all interlinked and all go, it goes all the way down to like your, your brainstem and, and your, um, your, you know, your blood pressure and all of the, these unconscious uh, components also that that play into emotions and they also play into higher level thinking mm. so it's yeah anyways that emotion that middle layer there we we need to be more um attuned with to be, be start becoming more emotionally intelligent and this is something that can be changed it's not we we if it's not a f something that's fixed right some people might be better at it naturally just like any other thing some people might be ha have faster twitch muscles would be better sprinters but uh, it can be greatly improved in anybody if you start to pay attention to it and start right. to work on it. Yeah, so, it's like a muscle. Like if you never yeah. work on it, you're going to be terrible at it. Yeah. And if and maybe you're not working on it because you don't even know it's a thing. And so it starts with awareness. So the goal today, a big goal today is just to improve awareness and hopefully stimulate some curiosity for people to do their own work and research into understanding emotional intelligence and where they currently sit and maybe where they could possibly go to improve their work, their relationships, their lives. So mm -hmm. maybe you want to get into some models now, because I think yeah. the models are very potent to break down this term of emotional intelligence, which we can look at in a simple way, right? Being able to discern different feelings, label them, use them appropriately. But I think Dan Goldman does a great job with his model and you have a couple models written there. So let's dig into that and just kind of unpack it a little bit. Yeah. That'll allow us to kind of riff on some of these topics afterwards. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's one of the more popular models is the Dan Goldman's model, the mixed model. Um, and this, I'll just go through each and we can riff on each a little bit. There's five yeah. components. Um, Self-awareness is the first one. Uh, and that's just knowing one's one's own emotions, uh, and including strength, strengths, weaknesses, drives, values, goals, and how these are all connected. But um, basically using gut feelings and emotional information to guide decision making as well. But it's just this awareness of your own inner world and how emotions are a part of this. Um, that, yeah, so that would be so knowing what you're feeling and also why you're feeling it. I think is part yeah. of self awareness. Where that's almost it seems like that is you know I think he listed it as the first one because I really think that that's the the foundation that a lot of the other ones are built on. Right? Yeah, knowing yourself, doing the work to find out like why okay, what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? Mm -hmm. Because these are questions that I think very few people actually create a buffer zone to ask themselves before they actually act in it, uh, based on that emotion. So yeah, self, yeah, self awareness is huge. And you can even just say like emotional awareness um, is, is like a subset of self awareness is just, yeah, like that's like what, 
when I feel this way. It's just the, uh, it's almost just that meta awareness of the emotional world that a lot of us are more, instead of being up on, on, on that uh, pedestal, looking down at uh, our emotional world, we're kind of just stuck right in it and we're just getting right. swayed and it's like we're in a storm and, and we're getting like shot around on a boat. Um, but we're not, uh, above just kind of looking at, at things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then the second one would be self-regulation. So that's just managing, redirecting, controlling disruptive emotions, particularly, uh, in impulses and adapting to changing circumstances. So it's just, uh, kind of knowing when emotions can, um, seeing their utility value, even like negative emotions, because mm-hmm. it's always just information and, and emotion, as we talked about, it's just information from another part of the brain. Um, so it's like these things, anxiety might be useful in the short term for some reason, if you mm-hmm. can, again, be I think aware. it is useful. Yeah. If, if you can be aware back to the awareness of like, what is the anxiety trying to tell me? Yeah. But then it can become not so useful if it continues and it starts to disrupt other things and seep into other areas of our life. And then it becomes chronic in there all the time when it was initially just trying to tell you something that you didn't listen to because you weren't aware to of it. Right. So it's, yeah. 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 And I think self-management is being able to sort of handle distressing emotions because they are going to come. You can't eliminate distressing emotions, but handle them in an effective way so that they don't cripple you or get in the way of your life and paying attention to learning about them. Right. And I I also think that, you know, self-management also has a big part of positive emotions, like being able to bring about positive emotions when you're doing something with friends or when you're motivating yourself to work on a project. I think that's also part of emotion management where you Mm -hmm. can manage these positive emotions and harness them in a way that allows you to accomplish things beyond what you would typically be able to do. Yes. So it's negative and positive. I think the problem most people have is negative is managing their negative emotions because that's what we see, you know, the trouble with depression or anxiety or, you know, um, just being lonely, all these negative emotions, people just, they're not aware they're there and they don't know how to manage them. But I think positive is in there too. I think it's for sure. I, I agree with that. It's like, yeah, taking advantage of these positive emotions or just letting them guide us too. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, when I do this thing around these people, that makes me feel this way. Ooh, I like that feeling. Do and I'm going to do of more that. of that. Yeah, and, exactly. And so that using positive situations and events and, um, and people, uh, the things that make us feel good ways doing, yeah, it's just a guide. And then, sorry, the, the, the ways, the negative stuff is just a guide too, is, is just, as long as we're learning from positive and negative mm-hmm. and the valence attached to the emotional valence attached to like events or things we do, then, we're starting to learn uh, and become a bit more emotionally intelligent. Yep. Um, it's an ongoing process that will never be perfected, but we can get right. better at it. Yeah. And it, it's just like anything else. Like it's a big emotional intelligence is a big element required for health. And it's not just like health. It's not, you don't do the work and get there and you're like, aha, I'm good. It's like yeah. every day you got to have it be part of your consciousness of this is part of living a fulfilled life is constantly doing the work to improve your abilities and to identify weak spots so that you can then work towards achieving them. And I think every time you improve a bit of understanding or you learn something you didn't know that actually can create positive emotions that is self-reinforcing to continue doing the work, right? That's like it. we've killed the word work. We look at it as something shitty, but it's like doing work has a reward. Yeah. And self-work is very powerful. What if society tells you that you should be doing something and then you're getting a negative emotions associated with it because you're not listening to the negative emotions and they burn in. Right. Uh, And then if you did something else that you truly like to do, that would give you positive emotions, but you're pushing that away because society tells you not to do that or that's not the thing that you should have do your family or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
it plays into like work and your your uh, sense of uh, enjoyment, fulfillment, and um, and purpose essentially when you find something that aligns with like some of these positive emotions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's it's huge when when looking even at like these big areas of our life, like our careers and and stuff like that. Oh my god, work is such a that's probably a cesspool of <laughs> terrible emotional intelligence in most offices because it's yeah. not a, a culturally harbored value, right? Like you can't just get some person, pay them a bunch of money to come in and blast everyone's emotional intelligence and, and lift it up. Like it doesn't work that way. It's like a, it has to be a cultural, it has to be an instilled value in the community or in the organization. It has to be something that the values of that organization have to reflect the fact that we need to work on this every day. We need to feel comfortable telling each other or sharing with each other um, what we're feeling, right? Yeah. Because I think when you express feelings, and this was definitely my um, script for most of my life, is when you express feelings, it's a sign of weakness. I think as boys, we're designed, or as you know, as males, um, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, suck it up. Yeah. It's like you're. We're literally ingrained. We're we're essentially programmed to not um, acknowledge emotions or speak about emotions. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to be the emotional butterfly. that's only talking about emotions, but if you don't acknowledge them, it gives problems. And if you don't know when the people around you that you're working with might be in uh, some sort of bad emotional state due to any circumstances going on or the fact that they didn't sleep well last night mm-hmm. or whatever the, whatever it is. Um, you also like, if you're aware that sometimes you're not in the best state, Right. And when you're around other people, they, they, they might perceive that subconsciously and be like, oh, it's like, it's not really <laughs> good to be around today. There's something weird. Right. So getting attuned with that in your workplace and just kind of giving, not necessarily always talking about, it, but just kind of noting it and be like, oh, like Johnny doesn't seem like he wants to, he seems in a weird mood today. Maybe I should ask him what, if there's anything I can yeah. do, or maybe I should just let it, let it pass and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to give him some space today because I recognize that he's not in this emotional state that would uh, be conducive to the best work. And maybe he gets a better sleep tonight and tomorrow he's good. Right. Right. Or, but this is an ongoing process in a workplace that needs to be kind of delved into open lines of communication and just like, just giving people the benefit of the doubt. And, and, you know, if, if Johnny is, is in a weird state for months on end, maybe we really need to look into something because that's not normal but we need to get a tune with all of the people and individuals because everyone's uh, got their own emotional world that they're dealing with. So, yeah, it's like everyone's vibrator is just broken. Yeah. And mine was for a long time. And I think when you retune the vibrator where you get good vibes, negative vibes from people, you can then make a judgment of whether that's the right person to approach and ask questions to. Yeah. Or if that's the kind of person that just needs to take some time to process. Oh, Johnny had a really bad day about two weeks ago. I remember. And then he was fine. Yeah. And later on, he was like, oh, man, I, my baby was up all night. I didn't get any sleep. And my wife's giving me, you know, telling me I'm not doing a good job. That's probably a damn good reason to be miserable. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it's I think a lot of times we attach. I think a lot of times people attach emotional states as labels, which are permanent and not transient emotional states. And by all means, if Johnny's in a miserable mood for two months, then I think it's okay to attach more of a permanent label like mm-hmm. subconsciously because it seems like that's a pattern but i think we you know even first interactions if you have a terrible interaction with someone like i'm sure this has happened to you where the first time you meet someone or the first time you encounter someone that you you know maybe at the grocery store you have a terrible interaction and it's so easy to assume that that is a terrible human yeah not that that person's dog just died and they're really upset yeah their emotional state was such that right. uh, they came off as 
And that, that influenced their behavior in a way that that came off as very, um, yeah, disrespectful or whatever it was to mm-hmm. you, but not knowing that is key and, uh, sorry, knowing that is key yeah. or figuring it out. So that occurs when I see, um, for instance, like somebody comes in for uh, an initial assessment as a in the physio clinic, and they might be in a lot of pain. Um, they also might be very, very stressed. Oftentimes, I'll see people, and they'll come in, and their energy is just very interesting. So it, it might be very, very high, very agitated, irritated, and all of these emotions associated with like um, you know fear, anger, agitation. Um, these things I, I can, you can just feel like, Oh, like they're coming at me at a different wavelength right now. <laughs> right. So what, what I try to do is, is try to, uh, bring the opposing emotions to the situation, um, in terms of if they're very agitated, I will be trying to be very equanimous and, and, uh, calm, collected, right. cool, um, so you're counterbalancing, counterbalancing it. And then I'm trying to actually, uh, influence them in a way that brings them to a level that's more like that level because I realized that. Well, they'll mirror you. It's just yeah. a human instinct. They will mirror. You will always bring someone into balance. If you do, if you have the, the, if, if you have the awareness of the situation yes. Yes. Um, and they don't, then you have a better opportunity to bring them to your level mm-hmm. because you have the awareness. So then um, what happens is that you can make better judgments. You can learn better. You can feel better. Um, your blood pressure and your physio- physiology can be better. Um, and you can, you can start to, uh, you can have a better session with somebody if they're in a state of calmness, collectedness, coolness. Now they can kind of, okay, let's, let's try to deal with what's going on here. Um, and if they're in a state of like anger, rage, um, whatever it is, agitation, uh, fear, um, they uncertainty, these are things that don't lead to very good decisions in any given uh, in every, in every given, any given case. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, I think that applies outside of like a clinical setting as well. But if you can have the wherewithal to recognize, Oh, this person's coming in hot and <laughs> I need to, I need to do something. Cause I don't, cause here's the other thing. If I wasn't aware of that before I would get caught up with that and then I'd go up to their level. Right. So I'd have to kind of, and then I'd realize, wow, I, I was really agitated after that seeing that person versus, Oh no, I was calm and I stayed calm and the person started to come down to my calmness and we both left in a different state. Dude, that's, that's so huge. powerful. I, I really think you just reinforced the fact that it is bonkers to not teach emotional intelligence mm-hmm. in any health professional program. And we're like, we're doing an update for the footner program. You know, we used to call it curriculum. We're calling it sapien code now. So we'll see how nice. that, that goes about. But um, I think that that should be a big part of it because yes. it's a very powerful tool for life. It's also a very it's basically a super, if you're an emotional ninja, not in the way that you want to manipulate people's emotions, but just understand yours so that you can better understand how to, how to interact with others and manage their emotions in a positive way. It's a superpower Mm -hmm. because guess what? If you can, that's a massive barrier breaker for people wanting to listen and feel, because I think even just feeling listened to actually brings about positive emotions, which you can't be angry and happy at the same time. And so it's almost like you're bringing people's continuum closer to a state where they're um, comfortable and, and are okay to be vulnerable and are okay to essentially take in information constructively. And the, the far end of that is you don't make good decisions in fight or flight mode. Well, you might make life-saving decisions right. when used in a, in a context that is um, meant for fight or flight mode. So like 
yeah, if, if there's like, for instance, where we're living here, there's a coyote that has been uh, attacking people. Yeah. Um, so if you see a coyote, you might go into full on emotional fight or flight mode. Uh, you might get like, and, and you might, you might sprint, you might fight, you might do something crazy. You might jump over a fence and like scrape your whole leg up. But in that sense, it was good. Yeah, right? it, was it, was, it was adaptive. Um, but same idea. If you're doing, if you go into fight or flight mode on a regular basis, because if you look of at situations, a, if you look at a comment on social media and you res- <laughs> yeah. and you do that coyote response all Ooh. day long, you're gonna blast yourself. It's not. It's not an area where good decisions are made <laughs> uh, in the context of non life threatening decisions. Um, yeah. It will just cloud your collected sense making apparatus because it's just the information is too emotionally valenced and it will just send you through the roof. You're not going to make good decisions. Right. So you're not going to think about things in a clear headed manner and weigh both sides of it and come to a conclusion and, and kind of sort things out. These are not things that happen when you're in that end of the spectrum. Yeah. And last thing I want, I just want to add in there before we go to the next element is the fact that being a health professional, there are so many layers of depth to helping someone, right? Like treating someone's pain, and assessing them is such a small part of an effective health professional is crazy. And the amount of mental energy yeah. needed to process emotions and troubleshoot and everything that you said, we're reading someone, understanding how to counterbalance them, managing the emotional energy within a dynamic when you're interacting with someone for an hour straight. Like that's why a 15 minute appointment with a physio doesn't work mm-hmm. because you can't do any of that. No, yeah. And it is so important. And treating their pain is this too. It's, it's right. treating their pain is... Their pain is highly linked to all of this stuff plus some. Right. Like it's it's very rarely just surface level. Like I'm a very well-balanced human being. I happen to just randomly sprain my ankle and, you know, because there's even that is like I was fine. I was really emotionally well, but now I can't do the things I want to do because my ankle's sprained. Now I, I feel like I'm like, all, it just sends your world like that can affect your emotional world as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't Definitely. go hiking with my friends. My summer's ruined. Like it's just <laughs> something as simple as a little ankle tweak can right. be an emotional situation that you has to be decoded as well. For sure. Um, yeah, totally. Okay. So we covered self-awareness, self-management, went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think that was good. Yeah. Um, third one is empathy. empathy. So knowing what someone else is feeling and recognizing emotions in others. I mean, we kind of touched on that yeah. when we were talking there, but that's an important one that I think evolves out of self-awareness because yes. then you can reflect your understanding of self into an understanding of others. And obviously mm-hmm. you need to interact with others because others aren't you, but also there are these fundamental principles of emotional vocabulary of emotional recognition that I think apply a lot to empathy. Yes. Empathy is huge. And I think a lot of people think of empathy when they think of emotional intelligence and it's not the only thing, but it's very right. key um, and it's tied up with all the other things. Um, social skills, one of the components as well. We kind of talked about that, uh, just managing relationships to get along with others. So emotions are a huge part of this as we kind of do- dove into last uh, with our last example. Yep. And finally, motivation. So being aware of what uh, motivates, motivates you. That's tied into like, I guess, the positive side of emotions where mm-hmm. emotions can be very motivating. And when you're feeling good or feeling amped up or excited or amazed or whatever it is, that's telling you, oh, that again, do that thing or, or you're doing good or it's giving you feedback and, and kind of motivating where you're going. So it's kind of providing these, these little action signals or behavior signals to guide you in an effective direction towards you know goals or fulfillment or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that actually ties nicely like uh, that ties nicely into self-management, because if you can evoke a positive emotion at a time where you're feeling negative emotions, you can 
you can effectively change your emotional state if you work on that, right? If you do, if something makes you feel terrible and you process that and that emotion doesn't need to serve you anymore because you've processed it, you understand it, but you're kind of stuck there, being able to do something that makes you feel good, going out mm. for a run, going out and going for a hike with friends or dancing. Like if you can do something that evokes positive emotions, that is a very powerful superpower in terms of controlling your mental health and mental state. Well, that's the concept of like Sam Harris talks about the emotional half-life. So what is the half-life of the emotion that you're going through? And if it's a negative one, can you start cutting down that half-life? Well, define half-life if people don't know. The half-life is just essentially like, well, it comes from uh, pharmacology. So it's like, how long does it take for this drug to be, uh, to be broken down in your system? Half of Um, the drug to break down. I think it comes from uh, nuclear terminology where the half-life of an isotope is the amount of time that it takes for the isotope to be half as powerful. So basically it describes the amount of time something is uh, in action for. Yeah. And how quickly it starts to fizzle out and break down. Right. So if you're, yeah, if if you're in an anxious state or an angry state or enraged, um, (laughs) how long are you in that state? And, and he suggests that it can be cut down to very, very minimal amounts. The the ingredient being sprinkling awareness on the situation is the missing ingredient. Because if you notice yourself being enraged, you can, like you say, process that, get through it. And it will, it might still be there for a little bit, but it'll fizzle out. And then you can do something that, or you can do something that changes it. Like you can do something that like, oh, look, I noticed that I'm feeling this way. My body's reacting this way. That happened. That caused that makes sense. I can do this. I don't like feeling this way still. Mm -hmm. I processed it. We'll get over it. Now I'm going to do this. This is going to make me feel this way versus going the entire day and reacting, staying in that state and reacting to others in that state and affecting others with that state too. So that's a big one because we can, if we can cut it something down in five minutes versus five hours or even five days, Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. And I think the the little asterisk that I think is important to emphasize there is processed it because I think a lot of people, if you feel sad or angry um, and you go eat a full cake, and it makes you feel better, but haven't processed why you were sad or angry, you actually haven't got yeah. rid of the problem. So I think there's a difference yes. between processing and then shifting emotional states by evoking something, by evoking a positive emotion and just uh, distracting yourself from not having to deal with that emotion. So there's kind of like a root a cause, delicate little asterisk yeah. there, but I, I, I agree with everything you said. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah, exactly. It's not that we don't want to just cover up these emotions with other things. Like we don't necessarily want to just like hack emotions. It's like, oh, I'm feeling anxious because I have all these things that I'm not even dealing with, but I have all these things that I can do that make me feel better. Right. You're just kind of, yeah, you're, you're just plugging holes and yeah. you're not going to be solving these. And things. it's almost like acknowledge and process instead of ignore and soothe. Yes. Right. Like it, it's, I think the processing part is the, is the little in-between space where work needs to be done to get closure and real closure of like, okay, I get it. I'm, this is the emotion. I've identified the emotion. I've identified why I feel it. I've identified that this is a valid emotion, but it's no longer serving me well. So I'm going to now shift. Yeah. That can be a long process or a short one. If somebody dies in your family, it might take longer. Right. And for good reason, but as long as your awareness is with you the entire way, that can be a helpful ingredient to to keep you a bit more balanced. And even uh, with, I mean, someone dying in your family, if your parents, if your mom dies, you're right, that should be a longer, there, there will be a longer half-life as part of that grieving process, but there is still a half-life. There is yes. still a point where you need to shift out of the sadness that your mom died and shift into, I need to continue my life. Yes. And that's a, 
obviously it's very contextual, but I really think that people who are more emotionally intelligent probably get through that process faster and still in a healthy way. That's it. And, and I think there's benefit to sitting in some of those emotions For uh, sure. and you'll hear this a lot from people in the more mindfulness community. But, um, if you are anxious, don't be too quick to try to cover it up or push it away. Sit in it and yeah. just sense it and be like, that's an interesting feeling. Wow. My heart is racing. I feel mm-hmm. the anxiety. And then you can start to like really get it, get a, 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 and then you can be, there's interesting parts to this. Sam Harris will talk about how the feeling of anxiety is very similar to other things that might be actually associated with something positive. For instance, like a roller coaster might make you physically feel very similar to being anxious. Yeah. But you love that and you pay for it and you go on it. Um, but <laughs> you put then it's anxious like, in a good way. Yeah. But then yeah. it's like, so the actual feeling, if you sit with you, you're like, that's not that bad. It's just like, I'm kind of in a heightened. So then it kind of gives less power to it. And then you can yeah. start to figure it out a bit better too. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that's, that's very important. It's like the perception of the feeling is oftentimes a significantly bigger impactor than the actual feeling itself. Yes. Right. Like, but I think it's always, it's always concerning and almost anxiety provoking when you get this physical manifestation, right? Like this, this uh, butterflies in your stomach or, or if you don't know why that's happening to you and you're just being taken for a ride, it's pretty scary. So that's where the acknowledgement and the labeling becomes really powerful. Cause if you understand it, it's like pain. If you have knee pain, you don't have no idea what it is. Could be something absolutely terrible then it's really, it's really worrisome. But if you understand the pain, the mechanism, the fact that it's not life-threatening, it's nothing major, it makes you way more calm about it. And I think the same thing, I mean, let's be real, anxiety is kind of like emotional pain. It's very, it's basically a parallel mechanism that the body communicates information to us about, it's a call for change. Yeah. If you ignore pain, the pain gets worse. If you ignore anxiety, anxiety gets worse. Big surprise. Yeah. Like this is just, it's pretty simple. That's it. It's hard. I mean, you have to lean into it and actually investigate and do the work. And I think culturally we don't, we don't teach kids emotional intelligence and the value of sitting with emotions and being with yeah. them and identifying them. We don't teach adults. We, we don't teach anyone. Society. We live in a feel oh, good it's society. Not good. Pain, all pain is bad. Right. All right. emotions beside good emotions are bad. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we don't really, we aren't really set up to, to deal with these, uh, this landscape very well. Yeah. We don't encourage processing. We don't encourage analysis so that's a good uh, you want to talk about the critical feeling concept that yeah. analysis because it's so there's this concept of critical thinking and we're gonna do a whole podcast and we're gonna thinking, do by the way yeah because effing needed right now <laughs> so critical thinking yeah and we'll dive into that later a lot of people have heard of that and it's and it's a good um it's it's basically um it's, objective it's, analysis of an evaluation of the facts in order to form a judgment so you yeah you objectively analyze and evaluate things before making a judgment. Yeah. So what is critical feeling? So nobody really talks about critical feeling. So what about, it basically feeds into everything we've been talking about. Um, We need to be very critical at, and become better at becoming aware of, perceiving, analyzing, decoding, making sense of uh, emotional information. So before responding, before responding. So just like you're saying, okay, so critical thinking is thinking about information and that might be like written information. It might be verbal information. This is just doing the same, but with emotional information. Yep. So we need to become aware of it. What a great term. Um, yeah, it's just, why don't we talk about it? So it's 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 huge. We need to become better. And if we became better at critically analyzing all the emotional world, it would help us greatly. 
um, be, because, uh, yeah, it, it's a part of all of the, the components of the emotion, uh, emotional intelligence that we just talked about. Um, and it's just, uh, it's something that uh, if you're getting bounced around for, through emotional states all day, can you become just more aware of stimulus response events yeah. that might have precipitated it? It's all of that. And Eric Weinstein had a great uh, quote. He said, critical feeling combats group feel just as critical thinking combats group think. Yes. And I think the world of social media facilitates group think and group feel. And the antidote to that is actually critical feeling, critical thinking. Yeah. Um, Why am I so angry right now? Right. Am I, if I just went on a two hour rampage on social media in the comments <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to explode right now? Yeah. Why? Right. Yeah. It's it just, like, does it gets, make me feel good? I mean, or? I think it's a hijack. I think social media is a pure hijacking tool for our consciousness. Like yeah. we are not, we are doing a grand experiment still on how this piece of technology that has hacked our mental cognitive capabilities and our emotional system and our emotional system. It's, it's such an experiment that it's very, it's disturbing at times. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's also a terrible thing and it's all in how you use it. But I think if people understand like people who are critical thinkers and critical feelers can use social media in a very powerful way. It's a very useful tool. But if you don't have those two, it's almost like by default, you're going to be hijacked. And I think the the power of the emotional part of it in social media is is such that I, it's feeling is more powerful than than thinking in, in turn. And it's yeah. but it's also way more and ephemeral and subconscious. And uh, we we like we say, we don't even have a term for critical feeling. We, have, we don't, we don't teach kids anything yeah. to do with that yet. They go through years of school with, uh, with, you know, thinking about things, but, um, because emotional, uh, social media is so emotionally laden, it's, it's so tricky. And I think that can, like you say, it's latch, it like latches onto your emotional system, takes it over and almost eats you from the inside. If you're not aware of kind of what, uh, yeah. of how to deal with it. And Dan um, Goldman, has a great video uh, that I watched on YouTube. It's like a five minute video uh, and it pops up right away if you type in uh, emotional intelligence. But he mentioned in the video that we're actually, you know, people have started to catch on that emotional intelligence is a very important element of education. So they've started to teach us with kids in primary school and, and high school for a little while now to the point where there are, is data. There is some metadata on the effects. And, you know, he shows that teaching kids emotional intelligence uh, led to improved academic achievement. Antisocial behavior went down. Mm-hmm. Pro-social behavior went up. So there is no reason why this shouldn't be taught. We have data, like Ontario School Board. If anyone's listening, wake up. Like this is important to teach. It'll lead to a significantly better world. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's violence, all of those things, uh, how you interact with other kids all the way through life. That'll help you. But especially in the social media environment and the amount of mental health issues these days, uh, emotional intelligence is, is something we need to really look into. And I think it starts with, yeah, like a, from, a, from a personal standpoint, um, becoming just aware that it exists and then, yep. and then starting to monitor it. Well, let's, do you want to just talk about social media for the next 10? Because I think there's different elements that, uh, and then we can pair off a couple of things from that. You know, sure. I think... Emotions are a innately human thing, right? Like our, I mean, I shouldn't say that actually, because animals, like we were talking before, dogs, animals have emotions, but they don't necessarily have the prefrontal developed area to be able to analyze and process and, and kind of sit with emotions before they act on them, right? They're just, they get an emotion, they act on it. That's just how they work. Yeah. So 
the ability to regulate emotions is a very human thing. And I think when you take away that element, when you take away the facial expression, the intonation, all these things that play into conversations between people from an emotional standpoint, from social media, you inherently dehumanize that medium of communication. Yeah. And when you dehumanize something, you're bound to have trouble. And so I think because you, know, the, you, you can't drop you can't drop into the emotional world in a text based uh, setting. Right. You just can't. That when somebody walks in a room and they don't even say anything and the and the vibe changes. Yeah. What's that? Exactly. So this person's on the other side of the world. You you can't get and any just of that. Texting something on a comment stream. Yeah, and I think that you know a couple things. Number one, there is a constant barrage. So we talked about how you need space between interactions to process emotions. And if you're constantly bombarded with things, you are stuck with just reacting. You have no space to be able to respond. And the average person reads a shitty comment and blah, blah, blah. They blurt out an answer. Or they, you know, they let their emotions run the show, right? They're not actually driving the bus. They're just going for a ride. I think social media facilitates that. But I think another massive element of this whole thing is the fact that most emotional intelligence development or growth happens with introspection right? Like your ability to take time to yourself and actually think on things. Yeah. And I think social media has actually eliminated introspection for a lot of people, right? Like you now have a outlet in your pocket for unlimited ability to be distracted every hour of every day. So it literally just crowds out introspection, which is why a lot of the work I don't think is being done, or even if the awareness was there, we're still crowding out the time that we used to have in between interactions or in between uh, you know, emotional experiences where we would process and reflect and learn like that space is gone. Yeah, no, exactly. It's and it crazy. Just, it's carried from one comment to the next for a lot of people. And you see yep. the people in the comments who will be in these long, like if you look at the timestamps on the arguments, it will go sometimes days back and back and forth because people naturally also have lives and they're like, you know, they comment and then they go do something. Um, but the fact that it goes on for days. Think of how much rumination is happening there too. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it's all in this like, and again, the fact that you don't have the full emotional capabilities in a text format, you can still, it's almost like we, you can sense it. It's just all like capitals and emojis. And it's like, (laughs) it's just like negative terms. And it's like, you're ooh, like, I I don't, I can't see you. And I, you might be, you might be a troll. You might be a very happy person, but right. it's sent on my senses that you're not in a very happy place uh, or in a good place. And yeah, if you, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but it I is. think it's, it's messing with our emotional uh, capabilities more than ever too. So it's making it harder to become emotionally intelligent. I think so too. I think it's creating a resistance to the development of emotional intelligence. When yeah. you combine that with the fact that it's not a deeply rooted cultural value or something that's taught, it's really no surprise that the sh- the shitstorm that you see on social media it's n- it's actually not surprising at all. It actually makes perfect sense. And I it's think another thing, it's I think I think that it's filtering over into the real world in terms of how people learn to react emotionally mm-hmm. on social media. So their rea- if their reaction is always see something, don't like, have emotional response, blurt out thing that goes along with the emotional response with no thinking. When they re- interact with somebody in the real world, they, they've been trained to do similar things. Right. So now it's created this outrage culture and, and people are going into the same responses with people on the street where it's like, no, this is not how we react in the, in the real world. We, we got to 
we got to just meet each other in the middle and do all, do the little dance and, and kind of yeah. come to, you know, it's not just yell at each other. And stuff I see like it that. in myself even. Like I've started to read, I hardly read comments, but I'm reading them even less now because I found myself being really dismissive of things, which was not something I, I used to be, right? If you see all these dumb comments that really have no thought put in them, they're just straight reactionary. Um, it's easy to dismiss them. Just like, whatever. I don't like not even put any attention on it. But then in real life, when someone says something that doesn't align with the way you perceive the world, I found myself dismissing those things way more. And I was like, oh shit, that's, I'm literally having trouble dissociating the matrix from reality Yeah, in terms of my behavior and how I'm acknowledging things. So it takes like, you got to catch yourself sometimes. Oh, exactly. So yeah, introspection, the, the examination of your own conscious thoughts and feelings. And it's really, I think that is the building ground, the breeding ground, the training arena for self-awareness. Yes. And if we've pooched out the time that we used to take for introspection, then we're essentially eliminating the opportunity to develop self-awareness, the opportunity to, to process emotions. So it's no surprise, like mental health epidemic is actually like it. I think I understand it significantly better now Yeah, because of this and I, I've been really trying to understand social media. You know, if we're creating some sort of digital community platform, I want to understand all the shitty parts of social media and and can they be mitigated and how can you embed more human humanizing elements into a virtual platform? Because I really think it's possible. We had the opportunity and it seems like money is yeah. always the thing that gets in the way. So we're gonna, you know, TFC app. The, the mission is for it to be self funded so that there is no reliance on making money at the expense of taking away from the platform, but um, I, it's really... It's affecting people's physical and mental health. Oh, it's affecting so and, many people. Uh, and this whole emotional world, it manifests physically in, in ways that are might be even far away from what you think it is. Like, it's just... When I wake up, I'll go through this. Like you'll just feel tense someday. Your jaw will feel tense. You'll you'll feel like your face. Like <laughs> that was a great face. Your, your face made. is holding emotion, and that's real. And that because you, you know, know you've been processing emotions all night. <clears throat> exactly. And, right? and if if you know these are things that it, when you wake up, I'll, I'll take a. I I usually I stop taking a shower right away. I usually went, but I now I started taking a shower, and that's my time to just sense my physical state. Mm -hmm. And also the thoughts going, cause you'll wake up in random like states. You don't know where you're going to wake up someday. Yeah, it's like a check-in almost. So you got to start with just like, Oh geez, my jaw's tense. Why, <laughs> you know, like my neck is tense. Like oh, what the hell? I, I have like a mini headache. Uh, why is that? And like headaches, like neck pain, jaw pain, all of these things. If you're getting headaches, like there's, there's often a, a reason. And part of that is an emotional reason. And there's an anxiety and, and all of these things combine and it's manifesting physically. And then we go in for our headaches and they give us pills to deal with our headaches and they don't. So again, it's the whole, it's a missing element in all of this stuff. And, and yeah. we just like to do, we just like to plug the holes and cover it all up. And I, and I've just kind of accepted that it would be really difficult and probably unrealistic to, to change the whole education system for health professionals in a way that profoundly changes the trajectory. So I think the path is actually this what we're doing right now is pre creating some sort of, um, you know, curation of information that we've kind of researched and tried to understand, making it more simple and stimulating some curiosity of people who are listening to this to dive deeper on their own and do their own research and put in the time to better understand 
their emotions, labeling emotions, researching emotional intelligence. I mean, and you literally, the internet allows you to learn anything ever, anytime. You just it. have to be given direction. And then just tuning into these things and then having conversations with other people in, in their their groups. Because if you're learning about this and then you you do little experiments and you start to drop into the emotional world a little bit more and you start to, it starts to help you and you start to get... Now you can start to have conversations with other people and you can start mm-hmm. to influence their emotions in positive ways like that meeting the emotion thing or kind of meeting them with that more of the bringing the emotional emotionally dominance um, state of like calmness to more situations. And you can start to mm-hmm. really become this energy emitting person in, in good ways and not feed into these bad ways. So if every individual just learns about these topics and starts to implement them and embody them, then um, we start to make some good changes because that is where the learning happens. It's actually applying things that you've have a better understanding of in your life, yeah. both with yourself, but also in your interactions. And I think every social interaction is essentially an experiential piece of data that you use to shape how you do future interactions. So if you do something in a way that results in a really constructive conversation, someone that you have a hard time having good conversations with, you've applied certain things that you've learned, you've sort of met their emotional state, you've understood with some empathy, you have a better understanding of your emotions and how you're reciprocating, and you have an amazing interaction with someone that you've never had a good talk with, you're like, oh shit, this stuff works. Yeah, I need to, I need to learn this more. Because guess what? In the world of business, in life, in being productive with fellow coworkers, this is essential information. Not even that it's more important than other things, but it's essential in the fact that you might be starting at zero. Like if you go from zero to one, that's extremely powerful. Yeah. Right. You don't, it's not to say this is more important, but because there's a complete void, it is the most important, I think in a lot of cases. So here's the challenge for people. Just start to drop in a bit more. And by drop in, it's just drop into this emotional world a little bit in the interactions and just have this meta awareness before you enter a situation like an interaction with a friend or uh, a meeting you're going into. And just just be a little bit more aware of these little hidden messages that are coming from the the emotions that and the feelings that you're getting, the gut feelings, the the energy that the other person's emitting or the sensing the emotions and, and, and maybe perceiving the emotions and kind of labeling them a little bit and and then, and then bringing your emotions to the situation. Just just bring some awareness to this whole world. Mm-hmm. Try it out. Try it out in single one-off interactions. Yeah. Check yourself it's, too it's before you go in. Because it's impossible to just go like, hey, I'm going to just do that for this forever now. Um, <laughs> you, you will forget and you'll, you will get hijacked again. And, and again, it's just this whole slow okay. process. Bring it into one interaction. See how it goes. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll give you some information. And I remember when we went to the UK and we did that podcast with Tony, he talked about that where he would check himself at the door before he went home in the evening. Right. If you had a big day with a lot of stressors, a lot of stuff going on, uh, he recognized that he was just in a different state when, when, he, when he went home and saw his kids. And he's like, you know, the kids don't want to see stressed out daddy. That's kind of has his brain elsewhere. They want to get full 100 percent Tony Riddle daddy coming home and interacting with them. So he said he even walked slower when he approached his house. He took a couple deep breaths before he went in his house. He completely checked his emotional state, emotional state before he went in so that he could give his best as a father to his kids. And I think that that's, that's something feeling right there. And this is, I think something getting even trickier now, because guess what? There is no door that you go through to go home. Your home is your workplace. Yeah. And so separating. That's so true. Drawing a boundary between when is work, work me. And when is like parent me, which I think a boundary needs to be drawn there um, is very important. And then being able to improve your ability to check yourself. And maybe it's something as simple as literally, okay, I'm done the work day. I'm going to put my phone away and I'm going to go for a walk. 
And I'm going to let my family know that this walk is very important for me to be present when I'm done the work day. I don't have the drive anymore. So I need to replace that with something that mm. creates a bookend for my day. Work is done. Family is now. Yeah. And I think that strategy probably will be, I mean, we're not going back to the same way that things used to be done in terms of work. So we need to start to adapt and think of how can we improve our ability to sort of exist in this new space, in this new world that we're going to be in for a while. Um, and two, two things to kind of chat on because we're, we're at 53 minutes. So let's two more things. I think, you talked about it when you talked about Sam Harris uh, covering the emotional half-life and being able to have way more control over that. And I really think meditation is, you know, emotional loops are when you're kind of stuck, stuck on the Ferris wheel. I think that meditation is one of the most powerful loop disruptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I think it just gives you the ability so profoundly to determine how long you want to be in an emotional state and also you know, meditation itself is the processing space for introspection, right? That's really what meditation is, introspection. But what you learn in meditation is the skill of using introspection throughout your life. Yeah. In the course of 10 seconds, maybe with each interaction or uh, just regularly. And it just lets you do the work to better understand emotions so that you can be better at understanding, at, at detecting emotions when they come to you. I agree. And, and meditation gives us an opportunity. So a lot of people will think of, they will tell you every time I try to meditate, my my thoughts can't stop. So that again, that's one part of it. But it it also just like if you tune into this emotional world, it's the feelings too that that come to you. What you that the uneasiness? I feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. I feel stressed. Right. So it gives you an opportunity to just look at the like really look into that. Look into them. Watch it. Just watch it. Don't give power to it. Just watch it from like an outsider. So mm-hmm. you're a complete outsider sitting on a, a bench and you're just looking at yourself like, oh, that's, this is a weird feeling. This is interesting. Oh, that feels this way. Cool. Oh, my heart feels this way. Mm-hmm. And these might, we don't, we don't label them as stress. We don't label them as anything. It's just interesting stuff and you're yeah. noticing it. And then as these things pop up in your life in, in a, on a, on a later basis, you get better at noticing them. Oh, that's the feeling that I got. Right. Oh, interesting. And distancing. And, where you're not in it. You yeah. are. So yeah, I like that analogy of park bench. For some reason, I just got a picture of a bunch of things passing by on razor scooters where you're just looking at it. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And it just yeah. passes, but you don't actually get on the scooter and go with it. You're just taking a third person perspective and l- observing these things and trying to make sense of them. You don't jump on into the emotional bus and go for the rides. You just you just watch the buses pass and, and then... And once yeah. in a while, drive the bus so that you can determine when that bus should stop. Yeah, you can look into it, and yeah. uh, but but yeah, I think med- meditation would be the tool um, that we could, and we can you and it, like say it could be when you're on your walk, or it can be whenever. It could be when you're literally sitting on a park bench, which I like to do sometimes, yep. and just watch watch what's happening. But uh, yeah, I think adding some of that in is a key time to start developing emotional intelligence within yourself. Right, and it's. You know, it's almost like you learn the stuff and then you use meditation as your office where you do the work, where yeah. you kind of like put that in, like examine how your day went, how your last interaction went, how your last good one and your last bad one went and try and find commonalities where you can detect like kind of a pattern and yeah. adjust for future. And I think two things that I had written down of, of just states that I think were important to kind of better understand from my perspective. Number one was rumination, uh, because I think that's a big thing that I, a lot of people find themselves doing, which is. You know, rumination is dwelling on or being continuously stuck in a thought. And if that's a toxic thought, that can be very, very 
suffering inducing, right? And, you know, it drains your energy. It distracts your attention. Um, and it can be a big source of problems for people. And, and the thing is, it's kind of like a muscle. The more you entertain rumination, the easier it is to get stuck in the groove of rumination. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one. And then number two, anxiety. And I was like, okay, I wonder if anxiety is an emotion. And it seemed to be, you know, I, I looked up a couple of definitions online and one of them said anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes. So, you know, I think the big thing there to take home. Fear would be an emotion that's kind of layered into that as right. well. Can be in that um, bucket. Uncertainty, uh, but fe- yeah, fear. Uh, so there's. And I think a big part is anxiety is normal but being stuck in the loop of anxiety isn't normal. Yeah. Because it changes the dynamic. If every time you get anxiety, you think it's a bad thing and then you're never actually going to acknowledge it as real and valid and, and investigate deeper. But if you look at it as something that's valid and you actually lean into it and examine, why am I feeling like this? It's actually the solution to get rid of it. Yeah. But most people I think are just stuck in the loop of anxiety because they distract themselves because they avoid processing it because they don't have to, t- they, they have the opportunity to not take time for introspection and just, you know, eat Literally, stuff that yeah. makes you feel good temporarily or look at stuff that makes you feel good temporarily, but never actually face reality they of the fact. haven't critically felt it. Right. They haven't, they haven't get in, felt it. Dig into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm, I guess the, the last thing is just uh, expanding emotional vocabulary. And I think that if you can't, if you don't even have a vocabulary, like if you don't know words, you can't write an essay. If you don't know labels for emotions and actual words that signify emotions, you cannot recognize emotions. And so I think expanding, and when I looked at this, it was like an eye opener for me to look at um, some very interesting things. So I'll just give a, you know, that emotion wheel. So if you you know, there's layers to emotions and literally if you look up emotion wheel on Google, you're going to see this wheel that I'm talking about. And let's take an example of anger. So anger would be a primary emotion, which is on the inside of the wheel. And as you go out to the outside of the wheel, you get more specific, basically. So you have the primary emotion of anger. The second layer there would be things like humiliation, being mad, frustrated, aggressive, bitter. So those are all sort of second layer elements of anger. The third layer I found really interesting and a couple of these in particular. So based on the primary emotion of anger, the third layer of being betrayed resentful, disrespected, furious, jealous, which was a very interesting one. So jealousy mm. is a form of anger. Uh, basically, it can is, like feed into can, why you're feeling angry. Right? Yeah. Annoyed, withdrawn, numb. Yeah. That's another interesting one. I think a lot of people are pissed off right now because of multiple things. And I think it's creating uh, a numbness where we're just, we don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Which is part of the problem because we're not acknowledging that we're angry and we're rightfully angry because a lot of shit is going down right now in the world. That's really not a very pleasant situation. Um, and then the byproduct is the anger, which you might bring into situations throughout right. the day. You express that primary why, emotion why more frequently out of anger. And you mm-hmm. might be acting out of, you might blow up at your uh, spouse or whatever, and you're acting out of anger. And it might be any of these little things that you're mentioning might've right. fed into that emotion. So anyway, I just think for me, it was a good exercise to read every emotion on that wheel and recognize that, wow, that tertiary one is actually based on this primary emotion. I would never would have thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think everyone can do good by just expanding their emotional vocabulary. And like I said, look up emotion wheel on Google. There's a million, go to images. There's a million images of this thing, but just have a look at, 
you know, that is sort of like learning the words so that you can then write the essay so yeah. that, you know, understanding the labels so that you can then apply those labels and essentially recognize those specific things in yourself and in others. Right. Yeah. And it allows you to be empathic because it allows you to recognize it in others. But we're not taught the vocabulary in school. And so we have yeah. to this has to be self-directed and there has to be a sense of this is important. Right. Because it is important. It just allows you to de- decode it, the emotional information. Yeah. better. Exactly. You're being fed this code and you don't know what it means. So you have no ability to deal with it. Now we have instructions. Now you have the way to decode it. And so um, anyway, we, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed researching for, for this one and just having a better understanding of emotional intelligence myself. And for everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And, you know, the goal really is to see if we can stimulate uh, curiosity so that people can take their own initiative and kind of look into it more because, uh, I definitely appreciate emotional intelligence and it's and see it show up in my life way more oh, yeah. now that I have better understanding. What about you? Yeah, for sure. It's huge. Cool. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Ciao.